your self confidence comes from the the like the thoroughness with which you educate yourself on why you're doing this. That was the voice of Josh Lajani, who just a few short years ago was over 400 pounds and changed his life by switching to a plant-based diet. Now you might have heard him in other interviews, but never like this. Today he's an ultra marathoner with Louisiana blood running through his veins. You won't want to miss this episode. Welcome to Lean Green Dad Radio. Let's go. Everybody, welcome to Lean Green Dad Radio. Hey, everybody, welcome to Lean Green Dad Radio. From sunny Orlando, Florida, this is Lean Green Dad Radio, the podcast that provides fuel for families. And now, here's your host, Corey Warren. Hey everybody, how's it going? Hope you're having an awesome week. And if this is your first time hearing us, then thank you so much for tuning in and spending a little bit of time with me. We have an awesome guest as usual today. Uh, But first I gotta tell you who the heck I am. Who is this guy that you're listening to? Well, my name's Corey. I am a husband, a father of three, and a plant-based athlete. And each week I get to talk to some of the most inspiring people that I can find to help me stay fit stay motivated, and really get the most out of life as a busy parent. See, for me, finding time to work out, make healthy, quick meals for me and my family, and spend quality time together can be really hard when we overschedule ourselves. So my hope is that by me getting a chance to talk to some of these awesome folks that you'll take away a few quick tips or gold nuggets of inspiration that you can imply or imply or apply to your life to keep you and your family going strong. Now, as you know, this show would not be possible without some of our amazing sponsors, so I have to give them a mention. Our first sponsor this week is Health IQ. Now, have you guys heard about this? We all know that we need life insurance, of course, but when it comes to those health evaluations that you get, the screenings that you have to get to see if you'll be granted coverage, well, we're all different. Some of us choose to make healthier choices than others, and we should be rewarded for that, right? Well, look, the good folks at Health IQ are out to change the life insurance industry. In fact, they've partnered with insurance providers around the country to bring lower rates to those of us who choose to have a high health IQ. Now, what does that mean? Well, things like exercising and eating more fruits and veggies and even doing yoga can help you get a more affordable rate for you and your family. Now, it all starts by visiting healthiq.com slash leangreendad, and you can start with a Health IQ quiz. So make sure, again, you visit them online, healthiq.com slash leangreendad to get your quiz started today, get a quote, and start reaping the benefits of lower life insurance costs. I also have to give a huge shout out to our local partner, Smart Fitness. Andrew Noble is my buddy over there who runs Smart Fitness, and he has a slow style workout that uses resistance training to get your results that you need. 20 minutes, twice a week, that's all you need to make Smart Fitness work for you. Let me tell you, the workouts are killer. In a good way though. They're not too hard, but they push you. And if you live in Central Florida, make sure you visit them online at gosmartfitness.com. Again, that's gosmartfitness.com to get your first session and evaluation completely free. Finally, I have to give a huge shout out to my friends at Culture City. Now, Culture City was voted one of the top 10 nonprofits in the country. They are the official nonprofit partner of Lean Green Dad, and they are centered around helping children and families 
living with autism through not only awareness, but acceptance initiatives. Well, these initiatives help those families living with autism, but at the same time, they push for acceptance on a larger scale with the general public. Now, because we're all a bit more accepting to those around us who might be a little bit different, this is gonna make the world a better place. Visit them online at culturecity.org. That's culture with a K, culturecity.org. Love those guys. All right, so as I said, today's guest is Mr. Josh Lajani. Now, you'll hear how he likes to introduce himself when the interview starts, and I'll let you hear that. But for me, he is an absolute inspiration. Yes, he ran a ton of miles. He's an ultra marathoner, and he has an incredible story to tell. But this conversation really had me thinking a lot about hunting, of all things. Now, Josh doesn't hunt anymore, but it is part of who he is, and it'll always be tied to great memories for him. Now, as someone who now doesn't eat meat of any kind, he's thinking outside the box about how he can communicate his uh, information that he's learned to his Bayou brothers and sisters that eating meat is not something that he feels is healthy or in any way good for them. His ideas on how to engage in that conversation and his thoughts on hunting is looked at from the outside world as rather strange. But to me, it's absolutely fascinating. So I welcome you to open your mind and really hear what he has to say. In addition to that, of course, we talked about family and the impact that the plant-based journey had on his family dinner table. And he's a great guy who's full of life, and I'm really excited for you to get to hear him. So let's get right to it. It's my interview with Josh Lajani. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to Lean Green Dad Radio, and today we have a very special guest, as I mentioned before. Uh, I'm going to just introduce him as what he calls himself. That is a plant-eating, miles-logging hoodat from the bayou with an appetite for life. Welcome to the show, Josh Lajani. Thanks for having me, man. Oh, we're so glad to have you, and uh, I, I gotta say, I met you... I didn't officially meet you, but I saw you and your huge personality at Plantstock, and uh, our paths just never crossed for whatever reason. We we both had a chance to run with Scott Jurek, though. Wasn't that crazy? That oh was my insane. Gosh. That whole yeah. weekend was mind-boggling to me. Like, I mean, yes, of course, we got to run with Scott Jurek, but I also I got to chew the fat with Dr. T. Colin Campbell and Dr. Esselstyn. I got to meet and hang out and talk to um, uh, Rip Esselstyn and Dr. And, and Doug Lyle. And, and I got to see, uh, my mentor and, and, and hero in a lot of ways, uh, rich role for the second time in person. And we had, we got a chance to, to, uh, have some deep conversation on a personal level, not being recorded, um, that, that we've never really, we've never really had before. So that whole weekend was amazing to me. I got to meet other people, that I've only known through the social media world, um, other ex-fat guys who have taken to plants and running. And, um, and so, yeah, it, it, that was quite an amazing weekend. And Scott Jurek was like the cherry on top. You know, it was, was. That, that was in, that was incredible. And that so incredible. kind. I mean, he was there with his wife and his brand new baby. Just so, so cute. So I, yeah. I expected to, cause when I met Rich, I'm so much bigger than Rich, right? 
Yeah. And so, and and I expected Scott to be a similar stature to Rich. I don't know why, just totally guessing. But when I stood next to him, I was like, "Holy cow, this dude, this is a big he's dude." A, yeah, he's a tall guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's very big. Yeah, but I totally, I totally, uh, I totally cried in front of him when I got to meet him, and I, felt, I was so embarrassed. I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. But my friend Howard Jacobson, like we saw Scott after the run. I hadn't like during the whole run, all of these, everybody, Scott was p- being pulled in a million different directions during the run. Right. And I, in, in, in my brain, I thought I was going to run with him. And but I, that didn't happen. I wound up floating to the front of the pack and hanging out with uh, Jane Esselstyn's husband. And uh, we we struck up a conversation and ran and talked. But. I really, you know, so so I didn't get to actually run side by side and talk to Scott as we logged miles. Um, and then at the end, when everybody stopped, everybody was wanting pictures with him. So I just kind of let it all dissipate and go away. And at the, after the run was over, I was telling Howard because Howard asked me, he's like, did you get a chance to meet Scott? And I was like, yeah, no, I didn't really bother him. You know, I, I mean, I was. I was humbled to run with him. I'm excited that I got to share a little run with him and all of that. That's good enough. And yeah. as I'm saying that, he's standing at the little rock road that went up to that cool little house on the hill yeah. at the Esselstyn's place. And he's standing there all by himself. And Howard's like, here's your chance, buddy. We're going to meet him. Because if it had been just me, I wouldn't. I would have never approached him. I would have never done it. But Howard's like, nah, dude, you got to meet. You got to go meet Scott Jurek. And, and oh. so he pulled me over there to him. And I didn't want to go talk to him because I was scared I was going to break down and cry in front of him because it was such a big, he was such a big influence in what's become like a complete life shift for me, right? Huge. And so Scott, and so so Howard introduces me to him and all, and I got a couple of words out, and I and I think um, uh, I just started to tear up, and I had to really abbreviate everything I was going to say because I was getting really choked up. And, um, and Scott, I, I'm sure he's used to people doing that to him, but Howard broke out his phone. He's like, this is why he's like, this is what Josh used to look like, by the way, to put some context to this conversation, Scott, this is the guy who's standing before you right now. And he showed him a before picture on his cell phone. And Scott was like, holy cow, man. <laughs> so, oh. and, and so we got to talk ultra marathon and I, he, and I got to tell him about my hundred miler, which I hadn't done yet at the time, which was coming up. And so that was like just a really special, special moment. But yeah, I'm bummed. You and I didn't get a chance to, to talk, but I was, yeah, I was totally, I was totally, uh, like moving from one person to the next all weekend. It was really cool. It was to hilarious. So it was so so cool to meet so many people who had never met in person before that wanted yeah. to meet me. It's just me. It's just me. I'm just a, just me. And like a lot of people were like, "Oh, I love your episode on Rich Roll." <laughs> blah blah blah. A lady even had me sign Rich Roll's book. <laughs> oh, like, nice. I was See, like, there Are you, you crazy? Go. It's cool, man. It was, there was I a lot. It. I love yeah, the vibe there. Yeah, there's a lot of Rich Roll uh, podcast guests there. There, yeah, like, it was like the mecca of the yeah. plant-based celebrities. Just everybody there it was wonderful. But yeah, well, let let's get into you, man. Let's let's talk about your amazing story. I mean, most people know your story, but the the thing that I want to talk about is, of course, you go from this hunting and fishing, um, you know, loving food in Louisiana, and you know, drinking tons of beer and playing football, and then. All of a sudden, this this shift happened, this huge click, and 
you know, I know that uh, from your Runner's World video, obviously you're you're in the top 10 for the Runner's World cover here coming up. And in that video, you had said that uh, it was kind of, you looked in the mirror and said, you know what, I don't like the way I look. And and so was it was it a purely cosmetic thing for you that made you want to shift completely? Is that what was the inspiration behind it? Yeah, initially it was. And that's the same trigger that it's always been my entire life. I've lost 80 plus pounds probably three other times in my life right and it was and it's always been the same reason is like I want to look better but back then it was like I, I wanted to do it because I wanted to play defensive end instead of defensive tackle right or I wanted to do it because there was a girl that I thought would like me better if I weighed 100 pounds less or you know there was always this external reason um that really that really kind of started with I need to lose weight, um, you know, because I want to look better or I want to be smaller or I want to be lighter or something to that effect. But this time I was doing it. I was doing it. I guess you could argue that it was another external um, trigger in the fact that I was a non-traditional student going back to school to get my degree after I had flunked out after I got hurt in football and lost my football scholarship. And so I flunked out and I never got my degree. And so my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, she talked me into going back to school. And here I was, uh, you know, on the, you know, on the precipice of getting my my degree finally. Yet I'm 200 pounds heavier than anyone in my class and, you know, 10 years older than anyone in my class. And so I was very self-conscious about the capstone course at the end of my senior year, which was going to require me to do a business presentation in a suit. I had had to do presentations before, right. but it was always casual, always business casual or where I could just wear a dress shirt untucked with jeans. And so I was okay with doing the presentation part, but I, the, I was just being overwhelmed with the idea of having to tuck in my shirt for the world to see my belly and have to put on a tie on my big fat jiggly neck and I, I wasn't going to be able to hide or at least what I thought was hiding the fact that I was super duper morbidly obese and and it was killing me it was really bothering me and um, you know to back it up one year the Saints won the Super Bowl the year before that and I read Sean Payton's book after that Super Bowl and he really fired me up like to do things differently for many, many different reasons, like to go and, and, and expect to win, expect greatness. Don't just hope for it. Hoping isn't working. Hoping's not going to do it. What we got to do is expect to do it and do the work that it takes to get it done. And so mm -hmm. what I was doing at that time was applying that newfound like fire and mindset to getting my degree. And once that once once that was happening, I was like, OK, I'm doing great. I'm making all A's and B's. I'm on the dean's list every semester. I'm I'm doing this thing in a way that I can be proud of. And once that was sort of all in its neat little package and in its box, the other thing hit me like, yeah, but I am completely embarrassed of how I look. I'm going to do great. I'm going to make a great presentation. I'm going to build a great business plan. But I am super embarrassed of how fat I have gotten. I can't fit in the desks anymore. You know, it, it's just it's just I sweat going from class to class, getting up and down stairs, 
I, I need to do something about it. And so in 2011, spring to uh, February 2011, just serendipity happened. Like a very good friend of mine that I've been friends with since kindergarten hits me up February 11th. I mean, uh, February, it's, uh, it might have been 11th, but it's February 2011. It was about mid-February. And he just says, hey, man, I'm joining the gym in the morning. You want to come be my partner? And I was like, hell yes. And I joined the gym that afternoon. Awesome. And that's where it really started. So it wasn't – it seems like when you look back at things, it seems like it kind of happened like that. But it didn't. It was That was step one. That, step one was me wanting to make a change. Step two was me getting in there taking that first step to getting in the fight again. Here it is, fourth time in my life, making a real effort at trying to lose weight yet again, right? And um, and so I was just approaching it. I just had this new tool in my tool bag, though, called you know a pragmatic college-educated brain that I had never had before. So it, my business degree didn't help me uh, per se, but learning how to learn to achieve that business degree helped me a ton in this next uh, stint of weight loss achievement, right? Yeah. And so that's what happened in 2011. It, yeah, it was spurred by something cosmetic. I wanted to look better, of course. Um, that's what really started it all. But the pragmatic, the pragmatic brain with which I attacked it this time is what l kept me drilling down further and further and further at each plateau rather than giving up and saying, oh, well, this is all I'm just meant to be about 290, you know, because um, that's about what my sticking point every time I would lose weight, I would get down sub 300 thinking ah, I'm back down to playing weight. That's good for me. And and um, so what what the new brain and the, and the approach to learning did was every time I would hit a sticking point. I would say I would shake things up and re and reevaluate what I was doing and pragmatically uh, adjust the behaviors necessary to to achieve that next step in the process. And that that motivation comes from so many different places for different yeah. people. You know, most people it's uh, it could be a health thing. Uh, you know, like yours, it, it could even be like a cosmetic thing, or it could be uh, save the earth type of thing, a greenhouse gas emissions, or or it could be for the animals. You know, all of the reasons are good reasons. So you really can't lose by switching to this plant based lifestyle. But there, like for for me and my family, like obviously we we had a medical thing as well. My wife had ulcerative colitis, and so we adjusted her diet to kind of get her off of the medication that they told us we had to be on for the rest of her life. And um, you know, it's a condition that she'll deal with for the rest of her life. But at the same time, there's eating this way helps manage it, helps manage the symptoms. So, but after a while of of living this way and and understanding this plant based lifestyle. It, we kind of started to evolve in the sense of our education and our understanding of the greater impact that eating this way has on so many different areas. So, you know, you mentioned that you were hunting and fishing and stuff like that. When did it change for you that you were like, you know what, I don't, I don't want to hurt animals anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to do this. Or, or, you know, do you ever get those questions from people like, was it, why are you plant-based? Is it, is it like a, is it a health thing or is it an animal thing? Cause I get that every now and then, you know, what, mm -hmm. How did that how did that happen with you? Well, there's like there's multiple inputs into reasons that I, I stopped hunting and they not all they don't have to do with weight loss and they don't have to do with compassion per se. Um, just just like on a personal level, 
there was some things happening with my hunting friends when I was at in in that circle. And um, we there was like, you know, you get a group of guys together and people have disagreements and things like that. And so there was like and I've never really talked about this before, but there was there was some sort of interpersonal turmoil going on there with my with that with that social group in my life. Um, Also, in in my family life, there was some things that were taking precedence over my desire to be a hunter and make sure that I was there on the first weekend of November every year with my sure. deer rifle and my food plot planted and my deer feeders full and, 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 the, and the camp dues paid and all of that stuff. There were things that were taking precedence in my life and in, um, in my family, right? My dad was having some issues. My grandfather was having some issues. And I was uh, being pulled more to stay uh, closer and pay more attention to my family nucleus. And so that's, that's really the first, uh, step away from hunting for me. The, the first step away from hunting for me was not really to like, Oh, I don't eat animals anymore. Therefore I'm going to not hunt anymore. The hunting was starting to like dissipate. Um, the hunting was starting to dissipate anyway for other reasons. And at that same time, I was I was starting. I had already lost a lot of weight, even after I, even while I was still doing the hunting and all. Um, and but anyway, the so I started to to move away. And at that same time, I'm learning more about this this lifestyle and this and this um and this way of eating. And and I'm learning about uh. I'm learning about ultra marathoning, right? And and Scott Jurek and re, I read Born to Run. I read Scott Jurek's book. I read Rich Roll's book. And so I'm I'm doing this food change as a way to become healthy enough to use my body in this whole new way. This ultra marathoning, trail running running in general type of lifestyle was sort of accidentally falling into the void that hunting and that that social thing in my life had had sort of left for for myriad reasons and so right so that was starting to happen for me and what happened was the more i dug down into the plant-based stuff, because at first it's just like anybody else. It's a bunch of plant-based fudge and cookies and, and brownies and veggie burgers and lasagnas and like all kind of these, like these replacement foods that are like the standard, it's like the vegan version of the standard American diet. Right. Right. And so that was the, that was step one. But as I dug down further into the, the Esselstyn protocol, the, the, the forks over knives protocol of of of, of Doctor Doctor T Colin Campbell and Doctor McDougal and I'm learning about people like Garth Davis in um in Rich Roll's podcast and tons of amazing individuals and I learn more about the cleaner more healthy inside of veganism way of eating right and and I start to adopt that stuff more I'm feeling just phenomenal now right i'm like my running is taking off mentally um i'm in a better place i don't have all of these 
because you know if you want to back up just a second to the hunting and all of the like the 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 turmoil I was telling you about that was causing a lot of cognitive dissonance in my mind and a lot of issues the issues that I was dealing with with my dad and my grandfather and other family problems that we were dealing with at that time um those things were were really weighing in my mind heavily and how however moving forward and getting my physical body super healthy and then learning how to do all of this distance running and the and the and the positive mental like effects of that all of these other like sort of uh uh, abstract worries really started to fall by the wayside. And so I'm feeling amazing with this new plant-based lifestyle, whole, whole food, plant-based, no oil specific, healthy lifestyle, not just vegan per se, but he- healthy lifestyle. And so what happens as I'm feeling amazing and I'm, and it dawns on me and I'm watching and I'm reading books like Slaughterhouse. I'm watching movies like Frankensteer and King Corn and all of these documentaries and, and reading books like us, uh, like Skinny Bastard, the, the male version of Skinny Bitch. I don't know if you've ever heard yeah. of those two books, oh, but yeah. I'm reading I'm reading all of that stuff. Right. And <clears throat> and what sort of what sort of blindsides me in my in my in my tact is this, the compassion element. I never really, I always looked at, I always looked at the, what we did to animals as something like, yeah, well, you got to break a few eggs to make an omelet. It's a, sure. it's a, it's a necessary evil. Cause we need protein. We need these foods. This is food for us. So if you don't like the way cows are treated, then what else are you going to do to eat cow meat? You know, you got to deal with that. Let those cow meat purveyors do what they do to get it to your table and don't don't complain about it, you know? And so that was always the tack that I had taken. Like, it's a necessary evil. But as it had been subtracted and removed from my life and my psyche buoyed, my physical capacity buoyed, my, my health was amazing. My weight loss was, I was leaner than I've ever been in my entire life, including my childhood and my teenage years and my years as a football player. Like then all of a sudden I'm like, it dawns on you like, Oh, wait a while. These things we do to animals in the name of having meat in the refrigerator are like borderline insane it's like (laughs) it's crazy because not only are we are we doing super uh inhumane things to these animals in the name of meat on our plate but that very meat on our plate is causing us to not feel the way i feel right now how crazy is that yeah and so so it's like this it's like this double-edged sword of you know yes it's terribly uncompassionate or whatever the proper word is there but it's also super unhealthy and and um and honestly honestly man and i'm this isn't a very very vegan thing to say but but going back to the hunting thing i still i'm almost everyone i know is a hunter still right so i'm this weird like i'm in this weird place where every almost every single person that i know in my life is there okay we're in 
you know, we're in, um, you know, mid late October right now. So everybody's gearing up to go deer hunting next year. I'm going to have tons of people bragging to me about their deer and, and bragging to me about their limited ducks and bragging to me about whatever their trip to Colorado and the, and the mule deer and elk that they had taken home. And so, but if you think about it and I, and I know that vegans don't like to think about it like, like, like that on sort of a continuum, if you will, but hunting is way more of a humane way to get meat. I still, we still shouldn't have meat in the, on the plate to begin with, but hunting is way more humane than what we do to animals, say for even dairy. Like right. that animal that was taken in the woods was an animal that's lived a completely autonomous existence. That animal has done what he or she wanted to do an entire life. And of course, yes, a human took that animal's life on, on a, on a, on a particular day without in 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 and vegans you know they want to they want to talk about it being murder and i get that i can totally see that side of the coin but what what you don't understand not you specifically i'm talking about hypothetical vegan human sure what you don't understand is i've been raised here these are my people they're not murderers they are amazing salt of the earth give you the shirt off their back compassionate loving human beings man they are not twisted murderers and that bothers me especially when it can't even hold a candle to what is done in CAFOs and dairy farms and poultry uh, uh, operations around around this country it's not even close so there's a priority for me to deal with um deal with i say the uh that that mass production of meat before i start messing with any of my hunting friends and trying to make them give up their 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 thing that they do i get it It, they're doing it with their dads and their grandfathers and they're teaching their kids how to do it and their uncles i get all of that i totally get it i was born and raised in it and if it hadn't been for the like political differences between me and my hunting mates, uh, it might have been a lot harder for me to step away from it myself, you know. Right. Um, but but let's stop stuffing all of the animal. Let's stop stuffing the backstrap with with cream cheese and wrapping it with bacon. Let's let's take that <laughs> step if we can do that, you know. Yeah. So I know I got way off in the weeds there, but that's something no, that's that, great. That, yeah, but no, that's something that's I'm really super passionate about. And it means a lot to me for people to uh, to sort of understand where I'm coming from yeah. on on that front. Um, well, because if people, you think of, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, if you think about Native Americans back in the day when they right. would hunt buffalo and stuff like that, after they killed the buffalo, well, first of all, they had to kill it to eat to survive. There, there right. wasn't this plethora of foods and. Uh, right. wonderful whole foods out there like there are now. Exactly. But they, on, they honored the spirit of that animal, you know, and right. and they, they utilized every piece of that yes. animal. Yes, sir. Um, you know, it's not like like you're take, talking about on factory farms here. You know, you got baby chicks no. getting thrown into, you know, crushers. The second they're born, they're thrown into this thing and just made into a chicken it's, nugget. Exactly. Beaks, beaks and all, you know, I mean, no. Um, right. It, it's and really... Right. Interesting. You, you're talking about Native Americans and having they had like this real ritualistic way of dealing with it beginning part of processing that animal after they've taken its life, which is a really a real solemn thing. Right. 
And that's what's happening when – and I see vegans like repost pictures of like a young kid who's killed a deer and they have blood smeared all over their face or they're, they're being uh, you know, coaxed into taking a bite out of the heart of the deer. That's essentially all – that's essentially what the hunter is doing. You don't understand the ritualistic aspect of how deep it is, how deep of a thing it is when a hunter takes an animal's life. There are some complete assholes out there that do stuff like, you know, crazy stuff like, yeah, like put their foot, put their foot up on the animal and completely disrespect the dead animal. But for the most part, when you're brought up in this environment here and you're from the south and you're from the country, you respect those animals because that animal just gave you its life for you to have some food. Now, the argument over whether, whether or not we need that food is a whole different topic. These people think that animal muscle is a necessary part of the human diet. Ooh. They're just ignorant to that fact right. that it's right. not, right? So it doesn't make them mean or cruel or incompassion or uncompassionate or whatever the word is for that. It doesn't make them less compassionate because these people know more and care more, know more about and care more for the animals, ironically, that they're killing than any vegan could ever know. They love their deer. They love that population. They they honor it. And um, and so it's a it's a very it's a very tricky thing. And it's not people going out and um, and just killing just for the hell of it. It's people. It's people doing what they think is is right, and it's been passed down from generation to generation. And and the only issue is just like you drew the comparison to the uh, the Native Americans. The only issue there that I have with modern hunters is Native Americans weren't going to kill a limit of buffalo, and and like that's they weren't going to kill five or six or or whatever. They were killing on a sustenance level, right? They were trying to sustain their survival for themselves and their clan to move on to the next thing. And there was tons of corn and potatoes and other stuff in their life. And that buffalo was a very small portion of their overall existence. Whereas we have it like completely opposite because we have we have gunpowder and we have petroleum products to use in four wheelers and pickup trucks and and in gas heaters as we sit in the deer stand when it's too cold or and the, the tractors that we use to plow up and create these beautiful food plots that coax the deer out of the woods into these shooting lanes so we can more easily kill them. Um, so the difference there is, you know, kind of like if you want to if you want to if you want to compare it to um, if you want to compare it to a real carnivore like a lion. A lion's not running around the plains of Africa, like, killing all the gazelles it can kill and piling them up and go, bruh, I got, like, ten freaking gazelles today. That's not what lions do. That's a they, great lion impression, you know, by the way. Right, exactly. I thought it was spot on. And so, 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 but that's what we do. We stack them up for bragging rights. And I, and I think that that's a... Uh, that's something that, that I think um, even if you think that animal muscle is part of the human diet, I'm not going to I'm, I'm just I'm going to leave that argument for a later day. But what I'm saying to you, Hunter, is this 
let's not pile them up and fill the freezer with them. Um, that that's a whole different ball game. I think that I think that's an unnaturally attainable quantity for the human organism. Normal uh, meat, uh, like you know, um, consumption, Con- yeah, right? Consumption, if, yeah, right. Exactly. So so that's my that's my argument with hunters and um, and so I I have ironically become a lot more aware of the compassion element um through this like side door of me trudging forward in 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 better health more athleticism i'm latched onto this running thing yet here i am finding myself um being you know being sort of uh like put on display by by the vegan community as, hey, here's a vegan guy, manly men, manly southern guys. Here's a vegan guy um, who gave up running because it was so mean. I mean, gave up hunting because it was so mean to animals. That's not really the way it happened, but I'm totally, I totally understand the compassion side of things more than I ever did. It, and but it, it, it came in from a side door, and on top of that. I feel like there are way worse uh, things to do um, from a compassion standpoint than, ironically, it may sound totally bogus and ironic to most uh, vegan people, than than hunting. I think there's a lot worse things that we do to animals um, than you know than you know kill them uh, right, right. The, in, in the wild. I think even zoos and 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 circuses are are more are more detrimental than than um, what 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 the hunting community does um, on a compat like for as far as compassion goes. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, thanks for sharing that perspective. I've never even thought about it that way, and you know it, it is interesting. I I like that it's a it's a different perspective and it's things to talk about, um, mm-hmm. things to think about. Everybody can form their own opinion, um, but I do think that it's. I, I have never known anything about hunting i grew up in orlando not a lot of hunting goes on in orlando um yeah. from, from what i understand um but uh yeah it's a it's a total other way of life that i've never experienced so thanks for sharing that and, and i'm it's, sure and, right and it's people hard, a lot to think about right and it's hard to have the conversation because here's the facts man i live down here with these people who you know hunt alligators and hunt deer and hunt turtles and and go and 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 get frogs by the hundreds in the middle of the night and and so i live with these people daily and those people are that's the constituency that is like promulgating those numbers that put us up those those people are creating those numbers that put us up in the lead of the pack um when it comes to heart disease obesity diabetes right and so that conversation need the plant-based conversation needs to be had with the people at the deer camps and the fishing camps and and the people in the mud boats at night gathering up frogs and the conversation needs to be had with those people and they're my people. You know what I'm saying? So when you want to, to have that conversation, you got to kind of meet them on their on. You got to go where they are to even have a conversation. And I'm oh, yeah. happy to and I'm happy to to 
to bridge to try to bridge that gap because I love those people that much. They mean that much to me that I'm willing to put up with the snarky looks from, you know, <laughs> stereotypical vegan person. Um, when I like uh, a picture of a mule deer that somebody killed in in right. in, in in Colorado or something, right? Yeah. And and so I'm willing to put up with that because I want to have the conversation with this population of humans that i know would love to not die in their 50s of a heart attack it's true and, it's right true. It's, it's very true. important to me because you go, if i look back in my hunting camp days um i can just i can start rattling off the names of people who have died in their 50s of heart attacks or cancer or or are right now in their mid 70s dragging around an oxygen tank with with wounds from colon cancer, uh, like bowel removal surgery. Like I can just go through my grandfather's a great example. He's not dead, but he's, he's got dementia progressive. He's got, he's got, uh, very progressive. Uh, it's not progressive, but it has progressed. He, we've slowed it down a lot with his plant-based diet over the past couple years. But the horse has left the barn on his dementia. We've reversed his cardiovascular disease that was due to years of living that way with the fried everything and tons of whiskey every night. And um, and so we've reversed the physical part of his of his uh, cardiovascular problems and his weight, his weight problems. But the horse has really left the barn on his cognition and his memory and all of that stuff. And so that that is a great example and i have my i love him to death but there are things that he taught me that i'm not going to perpetuate and 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 lifestyle choices as far as consumption alcohol food are just a few of the things that i'm going to choose not to bring forward that he has taught me you know um there's a lot of isms that i don't want to uh perpetuate either that he taught me in sexism and racism and a lot of things hmm. that that uh that are also can be left to the wayside um in my growth in our familial growth right and and so recognizing that and being strong enough in yourself to realize that you can move forward without necessarily carrying on every single thing that was taught to you by a generation that you completely respect and love and cherish learning and being very comfortable enough, being comfortable enough in your own progression as a human to, to stand firm in your new beliefs without, and being able to understand that you can do that without, without, um, disrespecting the memory of that previous generation is 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 important and it's something that i strive to do daily i love him to death and i he taught me a lot of very positive things how to work hard how to shake a hand and look a man in the eye how to make friends how to tell a story all of these things my bam bam taught me and i'm gonna cherish them wrap them around my heart and take them forward with me for the rest of my life but there are some other things that are less important to me that I'm just going to let fall to the wayside and let those, you know, go the way of the past and let me take the things that are worth taking forward 
forward with me. And 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 food and and consumption of products and 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 macronutrients and chemicals are are just some of the things that I'm just going to leave leave behind. It doesn't matter that it's a tradition that he had a really good fried speckled trout recipe or that he had a really good uh, 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 smoked sausage and or, or chicken and andouille gumbo recipe. Those things aren't good for us. And those things are the very, those things contributed to his current condition. And I'm a pragmatist and I see the data, I see the literature. I know that's why he is where he is today. I still love him dearly, but I'm not going to, to hold on to with a death grip, his, his, his sauce pecan recipe, because I'll disrespect his memory if I don't make gumbo the way he made gumbo. And if I don't fry fish and if I don't drink a half gallon of whiskey every weekend, I'm not being like my bam bam. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so that's that's I wrestle with that type of stuff on runs and long runs. And I think about and I have all of this internal dialogue that takes place. And um, and that's why I really think that those types of uh, long, um, you know, long sessions with yourself are important. It, it helps you be more comfortable with who you are and it helps you be more pragmatic in um, the behaviors you choose to to uh, to bring forward with you in, into the into the world, you know. And your your Bam Bam's one situation there where you're talking about, you know, reversing everything that was going on with him with a plant-based diet, but for me in our family when we made this switch as a family we had our extended family, our my mom, my dad, you know, my wife's mom and dad. They they were having a rough time understanding because it seemed like a light switch that just went off and uh, or, or went on, you know, depending on how you look at it. But right, it's it's just it, it was we went from sharing dinners together to not being able to eat certain things, and then how do they feel if we're not eating certain things? You know, we're not getting KFC anymore. We're not doing stuff. Like that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but you know, you share that bond around the dinner table. How was that transition for your immediate family, your parents? Uh, you know, maybe your wife's family. What, what was, it was that like? tricky? Yeah, it was it was tricky at first, and and you feel like an alien um, right. for a little while. And, but that's why it's very important to educate yourself and be very confident. You, you know, your self-confidence comes from the, the, like, the thoroughness with which you educate yourself on why you're doing this. And so not so you can go stand in the family kitchen at Thanksgiving and tell everybody why they shouldn't be eating turkey and gravy. But, but the confident the self-confidence comes in your abstaining because you're it takes a lot of understanding and knowledge to go against your family right and and especially at the holiday time it's like well it's one meal this can't hurt and it's like no and the way i look at it now is a lot more big picture oriented is my abstaining is speaking more with more volume than me ever verbalizing anything to anyone in my family and right so so just because i'm i'm not saying don't eat turkey dad because here's why because even though it's turkey it still has cholesterol in it and, and saturated fat 
it's not good for him, blah, blah, blah. And the proteins that make up the turkey muscle or, or create acidosis in the body and acidosis create inflammation. Inflammation is terrible. Like, so I, you can rattle off all of these things and they want to come out of your mouth because you know them. But that you use that as your reason for not doing it. And then that conversation eventually will come to you because your family sees you abstaining and you abstaining is a it speaks more loudly than you could ever imagine that it does even if they want to make fun of you for it or pretend like it you're being difficult because you won't eat the turkey and gravy and you need to do something different and blah 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 you making yourself special whatever the case may be they eventually like my family did they'll eventually see how serious you are see how how much you know about why you're doing this you're not just following this guy named rich roll because you think he's really cool right you know you're doing this because of all of this literature that you have pumped into your brain because you care so much about being a healthier more authentic human being and and right and so they see that in you and the question comes to you you don't have to bring it to them um but it takes patience and it takes it takes steadfastness and it takes unwavering um in like in your protocol and so they can't see you go oh well screw it it's thanksgiving they can't see you do that if you really care about them taking a step um, they can't see you do that. So you just let go of that idea of having it every once in a while. Don't do that anymore. That speaks volumes. So so my family eventually, when I first did it, they thought I had lost my damn mind. They thought I they thought I was crazy, <laughs> right? And they just was like, right. Oh well, Josh is doing another weight loss thing, so we'll just we'll just wait it out. And um after about six months or so you know, slowly but surely, you know, um, especially with my mom, because my mom was, you know, really it was me or my mom were the only people feeding my Bam Bam or getting getting groceries for the house for my Bam Bam. And so I really I didn't really wait for my mom to jump on board. I pushed her. I, I, I really did. Because I wanted, because I knew that was gonna, she was half of the source of food for my Bam Bam, and and I didn't, and I didn't want my Bam. I wanted my, I knew that we could fix some major stuff with my Bam Bam with through his diet, and so by wanting to do that, that really taught my mom a lot, and so my mom eventually got on board um, with it, which that was a huge step because now mom's in charge of thanksgiving and christmas so now we have a we have a complete plant-based thanksgiving day and a completely plant-based christmas day and and um and so my mom is you know following people like like uh like ann and jane esselstyn and and buying the cookbooks the prevent reverse heart disease cookbook she's got the my beef with meat engine two plant powered way all of these things are on top of the refrigerator and we these aren't like daily food daily menu options in the house these are things that we cook twice a year once at thanksgiving once at christmas um so you know those are almost like plant-based 
special occasion types of things. Not the turkey's not a special occasion thing. It's the extravagant plant-based meal that's a special occasion thing. And and so so it took about six months, you know, and they felt like dominoes. Um, and it was hard to deny what it was doing for me in my life because I'm dropping weight like crazy, running more and more eye-opening races, signing up for bigger and bigger things, getting faster and faster because once they are in the racing world with me and they understand some things – and they see how much faster I'm getting in these marathons, even though they may not want to do it themselves, th- it, it makes wheels turn in the brain and go, well, holy shit, if he's running that, imagine how much healthier he must be to be able to achieve this, given where he was from, given where he's coming from physically and all of that stuff. And I think all of that just kind of kind of weighs, you know, so. So my mom gets on board, my little sister gets on board, her husband, my mother-in-law, my wife, my brother, you know, um, everybody eventually just kind of uh, kind of gets on board. And even as of late, my dad, who was the lone standout in the entire family, um, he had a massive heart attack in fall 2014. And even after that, he, he, he's listening, comparing what we have to say to what his cardiologist has to say, and obviously... I'm going to go with what my cardiologist has to say. Y'all can do all of your hippie stuff that you want, but I'm going <laughs> to listen to my cardiologist and take my pills that I'm supposed to take and uh, we'll do it his way. Well, lo and behold, you know, fall 2015 from, from fall 2014, which is when he had his massive heart attack to fall 2015, he probably put on 70 pounds. You know, oh, no. he put on 70 pounds. And then so halfway through this year, we get to summertime this year, 2016. He buys a fishing boat and he can't even move. Or, he buys this fishing boat because he's retired now and all. And so he gets he can't even move around in this fishing boat without without like almost falling out because he weighs so much that the boat rolls every time he moves. So he's like. He has to just sit down and be still. Otherwise, he's going to tumble out of the boat. And he's a grandfather now. My little sister had a, had a baby who's a, who's a little over a year old now. And so now my dad is slowly come around. Nobody's forcing him or making him do anything. But he is sort of through osmosis getting a lot of the Esselstyn talk, a lot of the Campbell talk, a lot of the McDougal and, and all of these things because we're all – eating it breathing it sleeping it living it and so he can't really get away from it even though we're not like you know hosing him down with plant-based information he just can't really get away from it that's what we're watching at the house on netflix with you know blah 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 and so here in the past i'd say few months he has slowly but surely gotten completely plant-based i mean and i'm just ecstatic about it wow and he bragged to me just friday he said three more pounds josh that makes uh that makes 38 pounds that he's lost and uh he started walking um with my mom and my mom told me the other day like last week that he actually tried to run and it like damn near killed him, but she's like, she's like, no, don't, don't skip steps. Just keep walking and get the weight off of you. 
And so it, but that told me something that he's wanting, he's wanting it, you know? And so he's, so he's getting close to, he's getting, he's in the, he's getting close to like 40 pounds off of his body. Um, he's starting to move more. And as he feels better, it all makes more and more sense to him. And he'll, and now he's itching to do stuff like, I wonder how much better my cholesterol has to get before I can get off of my statins. And what I told dad is cause I'm friends with, like Garth Davis and Robert Osfeld. And I know these people now, and I know that you're, they're never going to take you off of statins. It doesn't matter how healthy you get. They're not going to take you off of statins unless you ask to come off of statins because, right. you know, and so that's, so now I can educate him on how to deal with his doctor now. And he, but whereas before it was like, whatever doc says goes, but he did that for a mm. year and a half. And he saw where whatever Doc says made him a lot fatter and a lot more unhealthy, which doesn't there's no skin off of Doc's nose for you to be more and more dependent on pharmaceuticals and procedures like aspirating blood clots out of your left interior descending. Right. That's what we had to do. Right. And so and it's not that they're corrupt. It's just that they're totally uh, complicit. Mm. Dude, I I cannot thank you enough for sharing all this stuff with us. I mean, it's I think it's incredible that we've talked for almost an hour and we haven't really focused that much on running. And I love it. I love it because you know I'm sh- I'm sure you talk a lot about your running. And don't get me wrong, dude. A hundred miler. Dude, running, running, right? Don't running's a side. This running thing is a side effect of my plant based lifestyle, brother. It's just it's a total side effect. So of course it's. Of course, it's not the priority in the conversation for me, yep. right? Yep. Well, still though, congrats yep. on everything. A hundred miles. miles. I mean, amazing stuff. <laughs> yeah. And the runner's world thing. I, mean, I know you find out in what December of 2016. So, uh, no, I'll find. Yeah, I'll find out in a couple of weeks. Oh, cool. Actually. Okay. Yep. Well, I wish you all the best, man. I I think it's gonna be incredible. Is is there anywhere we can go to follow you? Do you have a website yet? You got to be working on your book, right? Yeah, I have a website. Howard and I working on. Yeah, Howard and I have teamed up. He's gonna. It's gonna be like a new. My book is. I wanted. I didn't want it to be just Josh vomiting out a memoir. Like I have a story, right? I really. I do. I have a story. There's a lot of things about my story that nobody really knows that'll be in my book and in the telling of my story. But I didn't want it to just be like a, like me telling my story, I really wanted there to be an element of science to it. And to, and so that's where Howard is coming into play is Howard's going to provide that real deep understanding of the, the data and the literature and, and really apply a lot of that science to the things that have happened that I have sort of just intuited in this process of massive change in my life. And so it's going to be, it's going to be two voices there. It's going to be me and my story with, with Howard be like also lending uh, a hand, providing some, some real scientific knowledge behind the changes and behavioral changes and physical changes that was going on and nutritional changes that was going on in my life and sort of, um, bringing like a scientific explanation to this sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, inspiring, um, life journey that I've been on. So yeah, I can't wait. We're putting that together and I'm very, I'm very proud 
of uh of of my collaboration with him. He's an amazing he's an amazing human, man. He really is. So I'm pumped. And yeah, I have a website. My my website is joshlajani.com, J O S H L A J A U N I E dot com. And so from there you can sign up for um, you know, my my uh email list, which I I mean I don't I haven't I'm I haven't sent any newsletters or anything like that yet, but it's coming um with the book thing. And uh and from from there I have a lot of like self education tools, things that I found imperative in my in my transition, a lot of TED Talk videos and Esselstyn videos and, and Campbell videos and stuff like that. A reading list and this self education tab. And and also you can find out how to connect with me um across all social social media um i'm a huge i'm a i'm an instagram guy i love instagram <laughs> i just think it's i think it's it's the best it's my favorite so you can find me i have a unique last name in l-a-j-a-u-n-i-e josh lajani you can find me on twitter instagram facebook whatever you can find me with my last name my last name my my first and last name all one word is my handle pretty much across the board snapchat well, we'll make sure to include yep. all that in the show notes and uh again man thank you so much for taking the time no thanks for having me it was a, it was a pleasure all right hey guys what's up it's Corey back in the studio thank you so much for making it through another episode of lean green dad radio but hey don't let your experience end here Visit us online at leangreendad.com. There you can find a free three-step, three-video grocery guide series where I walk you through Whole Foods Market and show you the stuff that I get on my grocery list each week to keep my family healthy and happy. In addition to that, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram. We even have a YouTube channel. And of course, if you feel so inclined, you can sign up for our email newsletter. Either way, I'm so happy that you had uh, a little bit of time to join me, whether you're going to work or you're just listening at, uh, at work or walking the dog, whatever you're doing. Thank you so very much. And until next time, this is Corey saying keep going that extra mile for your family. See you next week, guys.